That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Fox 2 News and News 11. The power of 2 at 6 a.m. You run from the water and you hide from the wind. Uh, if you're there in that storm surge, uh, you're putting your life uh, in jeopardy. The eye of Idalia, eight miles from the coast of Florida, flooding going on. This is a Cat 4 hurricane. It's pounding the Sunshine State with life-threatening storm surge. We're going to show you how the Red Cross is preparing disaster relief to help those in the path of destruction. And preparing for terrorist attacks and how to respond. The training area law enforcement and first responders will have today. It was hell on earth. And the saddest part is it all could have been prevented. Demanding answers two years after 13 service members were killed in the evacuation of Afghanistan, including one from St. Charles County. What his parents had to say at a congressional hearing in Washington, D.C. Welcome back. It's Wednesday, August 30th, and you are watching The Power of Two at 6 a.m. I'm John Pertzborn. I'm Blair Lede. Thank you all so much for waking up with us. We are taking a live look here now as we track the tropics. This is in Cedar Key, Florida, where Hurricane Idalia is making its arrival this morning on the Gulf Coast. Angela Huddy has been tracking this uh, throughout the day. Angela, it's getting close to landfall. Yeah, reaching that category four strength though just prior to landfall this morning, officially about 4 a.m. St. Louis time, the report came out that it had reached 130 mile per hour winds. So at this point, it really doesn't matter. 129, 135, whatever those winds are going to be, it is destructive. And it is that right upper right quadrant that we like to call it, where the winds are perpendicular to the shoreline where you get the highest storm surge. And that's what we're seeing in places like Cedar Key. Now back here at home with a storm that big, it is literally holding the rest of the weather it's at bay. It just says, hey, you go first, you win, you're the biggest system, and we stay quiet back behind it. A weak cool front has pressed southward overnight. That will reinforce our cooler air. But getting out to the bus stop this morning here at home, it's going to be fantastic. Mid to upper 60s out the door this morning and highs only near 80 degrees this afternoon. And I think tomorrow morning's bus stop, a few kids may be grabbing that hooded sweatshirt because we're going to be about 10 degrees cooler than that. But back to Adalia, it's affecting uh, the U.S. Of course, in the Southwest so much more, but all of the country with a storm that size. It's not just people in Florida who are preparing. The power of two's Laura Simon is live at St. Louis Lambert International Airport with how Adalia is affecting flights and the local groups who are ready to help folks with recovery. Angela, this most certainly is going to have an impact at airports across the nation. Right now, I can tell you 10 Southwest flights headed into cities like Orlando, Tampa and Jacksonville. Those are canceled this morning. Six Southwest flights are delayed and this board behind me lists some other airlines and you can probably expect some of those might have been connecting flights into Florida. As always, check your flight status. Some of the airports in Florida that aren't going to be impacted as much by this hurricane are still 
uh, taking in planes and departures as well. So just keep that in mind. Check your flight status. But we do want to show you as we've been keeping our eye on this storm for you all morning long from space. And this is a look as Ron DeSantis, the governor there, just wrapped up a news conference saying the eye of the storm is eight miles away from the coast of Florida. We've been watching this storm from NASA. Idalia strengthened to a Category 3 hurricane around 2 a.m. And now the system, as Angela mentioned, an extremely dangerous Category 4 hurricane as people are bracing for it to make landfall. Hurricane Idalia turning roads into rivers in communities along Florida's Gulf Coast at this hour. And the governor, as well as FEMA officials, they told people who live along low-lying coastal areas to evacuate. And I can tell you that people who normally don't evacuate have been evacuating. I've got family in Florida who uh, most certainly did that too. There were a lot of traffic jams as well leading to the arrival of this hurricane as people were heeding warnings yesterday. The National Hurricane Center warning of catastrophic impacts from storm surge estimated to be between 10 to 15 feet in some areas. That is life-threatening storm surge. Heavy wind from Adalia could top 130 miles per hour, as Angelo was mentioning. And besides critical flooding, officials are saying this storm is also expected to clog roads with toppled trees and down power lines. Thousands of National Guard members and other first responders are also at the ready with high water vehicles in case uh, rescues are required out there. Dozens of members of Missouri Task Force One, they also left for Pensacola ahead of the hurricane two days ago. Forecasters are warning Adalia could trigger water spouts and tornadoes and the storms expected to keep moving inland, bringing heavy rain to parts of Georgia and the Carolinas later this week too. Some Florida airports shut down ahead of the storm, including Tampa International Airport. They actually closed at midnight on Tuesday, grounding all flights. So keep in mind, if you do have a flight booked to Florida, Georgia, or even the Carolinas in the coming days, check your flight status. You can check with your airline. You can check flystl.com and also FlightAware, all great tools to monitor flights. But coming up here in our next half hour, we're going to be talking with Beth Elders. She's the executive director of the Red Cross here, and she's going to be keeping us posted on the response that they're prepared to make after this storm hits Florida. Reporting live here at Lambert St. Louis uh, International Airport this morning, I'm Laura Simon. Thank you so much, Laura. 6.05 is your time right now. Well, first responders from all over our area are taking part in major counterterrorism training. The goal is to be ready in case a real attack happens. The Power of Two's Chris Renier is live in St. Charles to explain how this will all go. Chris. Hey, we're going to you. We are just outside of the St. Charles Convention Center here right off of I-70. This is where a lot of the classroom training is taking part for this project. It started yesterday, continues into tomorrow. This training is being put on by the Readiness Lab. That's a private St. Charles company that trains agencies in various emergency kinds of situation. Here's a look now at what this three-day training is covering. It is addressing many areas, including evacuation procedures, crisis messaging, counterterrorism measures, security protocols, mass care management, and also medical response in these emergencies. There are a lot of groups taking part in this training. Here are some of them. It includes the Homeland Security Department, the DEA, the National Guard. There are local police and fire departments taking part as well. WashU, SLU, the St. Louis Regional Response System, the St. Charles County Emergency Management Agency, even the British Army is here 
participating. Organizers calling this training an intensive study in crisis leadership and emergency management designed to prepare organizations for complex incidents. After a pretty good deal of classroom learning for these first two days, this training is going to culminate tomorrow with an actual exercise down at Bush Stadium called Attack at the Stadium. We are reaching out this morning to some organizers, trying to get some more details on all of this for you. But it certainly seems that the groups taking part on this will certainly come away with a better understanding of what it takes to respond to these emergency kinds of situations. For now, live in St. Charles, I'm Chris Vernier. All right, we got a crash we're seeing right here off to the right side. You can see the flashing lights from uh, the police car there. This is an overturned car northbound 270 south of I-70. I want to let you know that that exit is currently closed as a result of that accident, but you can see how it's slowing down traffic a little more than usual right now. Mm. Well, the niece of the Ferguson police chief is killed inside of a North St. Louis County home. Now, this is the second tragedy in that community. Another man killed just 10 minutes before that. 25-year-old Kayla Patterson was found shot to death Monday night in her home. This happened in the Whisper Lake Apartments in Blackjack. Police are working to find out why this happened. The other victim was found nearby. He was 45-year-old Frederick Gett of Ferguson. Police believe someone shot him during a robbery. They haven't said whether these shootings are connected or if a suspect is in custody. If you know anything or have information, call Crime Stoppers. Well, a person out for a walk is killed by a hit-and-run driver in Belleville. The Belleville News Democrat is reporting that uh, that death happened on North Belt West on Monday night. Police later arrested the driver who was accused of driving while intoxicated. Well, a string of fires could be deemed as hate crimes. Webster Grove Police investigating after someone burned three signs promoting inclusion Monday night. Investigators say someone burned Black Lives Matter signs in front of a home on North Bompart Avenue and the Webster Groves Baptist Church on Summit. They believe that same person burned a Trans Lives Matter sign at a home on Big Bend Boulevard. If you know anything about these crimes, call Webster Groves Police. Well, a Spanish Lake woman is accused of breaking into the father of her child's home and then demanding child support at knife point. According to Berkeley Police, the man woke up and he found 31-year-old Jalissa Brandon standing over him with a knife and his cell phone screaming at him to pay child support. Well, the man got out of there and Brandon left too with his cell phone which she used to transfer $7,000 from his account into her account. Brandon was arrested later and charged with first-degree burglary and unlawful use of a weapon. She remains jailed on a $75,000 cash-only bond. And I uh, need to point out it's not known if the man actually owes child support. Well, the Fox Files confirms the mayor of Jennings, Gary Johnson, is suing five members of his city council. Uh, he says an emergency city council meeting August 18th was improperly held because the city clerk resigned. There was no clerk there and that is a requirement. The council tried to reverse actions at a meeting before that involving a mass resignation at City Hall. The lawsuit asked the 21st Judicial Circuit to step in and decide how to move forward. The members being sued skipped Monday night's meeting. They say there were different versions of the agenda going out and that wouldn't be proper. We've reached out to the mayor and some of those council members named in the suit haven't heard back yet. 
Well, the new St. Louis Charter Commission holds its first meeting today. You see, the city charter was written in 1914 and is deemed a bit outdated. Decide for yourself. For example, it requires city updates to be printed in both English and German, reflecting the two dominant languages of that time. It allows the city to impose taxes on steamboats and horseshoes. In April, city voters approved the creation of a citizen's commission to recommend updates to the charter. Any future changes to this charter would also require a public vote. Today's meeting is at 5.30 in the afternoon, and it's at the Municipal Courts Building on Market Street. The HSHS Medical Group is experiencing a phone and technology outage at several hospitals. That includes St. Elizabeth's Hospital in O'Fallon, Illinois, St. Francis in Litchfield, and the St. Joseph's Hospitals in Highland and Breeze. Officials admit this is an inconvenience. They say they have established some protocols, though, for outages to make sure that the patients are being cared for.